This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 265 with John Williams. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Laubscher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at the analysis behind and beyond government economic reporting. Have you ever wondered why the CPI, GDP, and unemployment numbers run counter to your personal and business experiences? The problem lies in biased and often manipulated government reporting. My guest today is John Williams. John has been a private consulting economist and a specialist in government economic reporting for more than 30 years. His economic consultancy is called Shadow Government Statistics, shadowstats.com. His early work in economic reporting led to front page stories in the New York Times and Investors Business Daily. He received a bachelor's degree in economics and a cum laude from Dartmouth College in 1971 and was awarded a master's degree in business administration from Dartmouth's Amos Attuck School of Business Administration in 1972, where he was named an Edward Tuck Scholar. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja to 44222. To ensure you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps on the Apple and Google Play app stores. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. John, welcome to the show. MC, thank you for having me. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Uh, be happy to. Um, I've been a um, consulting economist for, oh my goodness, it's, uh, well, 35 years anyway. Um, started uh, um, looking to go into family businesses, imported uh, chainsaws from, uh, from what, what was then West Germany, and uh, went to Dartmouth College, studied uh, economics. German, uh, went on to the Tuck Business School and got into econometric modeling. Their oldest aimed at uh, uh, prepping me for moving into the family business. Uh, first day on the job, Richard Nixon floated the dollar. And um, I got I cut my teeth in the uh, currency markets with uh, what was then a very unusual uh, uh, trading and volatility patterns. Uh, our product. Uh, uh, got heavily uh, priced, uh, or conceivably it could be priced out of the market because of what was happening to the dollar. We sold the uh, operation uh, back to the manufacturer, and I became a uh, private consulting economist uh, modeling the economy. 
And as uh, I, I did that in uh, uh, time past, had a pretty good uh, track record with uh, forecasting on the economy and interest rates. But uh, what I found was the government was changing the way it was reporting its key economic statistics, uh, such as inflation, such as uh, uh, unemployment, such as the GDP. And uh, that started to uh, uh, d distort the numbers, made the reporting uh, less meaningful. In fact, it can tend uh, many of the headline numbers today are not too meaningful, generally with uh, overstated uh, economic growth and uh, understated inflation. Uh, so I began to specialize in that, and uh, that's where I, I founded shadowstats.com, uh, my, my website, and I report on the uh, uh, underlying reality with the uh, uh, reality, at least in terms of uh, common experience, as to what the economy and inflation are doing. It's extremely interesting because it plays such a big part because the marketplace is making decisions based on the information that's available and some of these st statistics that's released. So it definitely plays into the psychology of the market and and the overall uh, misallocation of, of capital and so forth when it comes to government. So as you mentioned, it's definitely in, in any government's interest to overstate economic growth and understate inflation. Now, there's a saying that, uh, that I came across and I still chuckle at it quite a bit, uh, which is applicable to governments that if you torture data enough, it definitely will confess. <laughs> so, um, John, can you please share why these official statistics uh, and indicators such as unemployment and economic growth is so different than what the real and actual numbers are? And what are some of the methods uh, that the government use uh, to calculate uh, the st statistics and how have they changed over time? Well, uh, probably the most important uh, change was uh, in the way inflation was measured. Right. You can go back a, a couple of centuries, and there have been uh, consumer uh, price indices that have uh, generally been designed to measure the uh, inflation rate or the cost of maintaining a constant standard of living. What they do very broadly, take uh, very simplistically, they, they, they measure, uh, let's say, the cost of a, a pound of beef, a gallon of gasoline, a loaf of bread. Then they'd price out that same basket of goods the next year, and whatever that had gone up by, that was your rate of inflation of maintaining a constant standard of living. And if your income rose by that amount, you could cover it, and you could have an ongoing constant standard of living. That's why the that concept of the constant standard of living came into play. Um, that uh, began to change in the 1980s. Um, there were two, two, two factors. One was a... Uh, um, what they did with what they called the hedonic quality adjustments. And that's a little separate from the constant standard of living um, because this is uh, uh, what, what the government would do as they measured, uh, uh, let's say, the standard CPI. They, they would make, indeed, legitimate quality adjustments where products were, were changing and, and, and you could measure the effect on inflation, for example, um, as they survey the grocery stores of a, an eight ounce candy bar one month was in a certain size package and the, the next month uh, the same size package had a four ounce, can, four, four ounce candy bar they'd adjust uh, 
the price accordingly in their, in their measures. Uh, but in the 80s, the government started uh, uh, making quality adjustments that were not directly measurable or that the consumer didn't recognize. Uh, for, for example, they um, uh, reformulated gasoline uh, for, uh, to, to get better air quality. The effect was to knock about 10 cents uh, per gallon off of gasoline, which at the time was a pretty big uh, um, a percentage of the uh, the gasoline price. And um, they didn't include that in the CPI, the, the Consumer Price Index, uh, because it was viewed as a quality improvement. Yet the, uh, uh, the average guy who was filling his uh, gas tank was not moaning and wasn't rejoicing at the... Uh, uh, a better quality area he's going to be enjoying, but he was moaning and groaning about uh, how much more expensive it was to drive to work. And um, it's my contention that uh, a CPI measure, and I think this is what most people look at, uh, reflects your cost of living as you perceive it the way you want you want to leave. Oh, me, want to live, um, and, and you get into the nineties. Um, they, uh, they they changed the. Um, concept of the constant maintaining a constant standard of uh, living by allowing for substitution. Um, this was heavily publicized. Alan Greenspan, Michael Boskin had a commission. Uh, Newt Gingrich was uh, rooting for it in Congress. Um, the idea there was that if um, if you could have substitution in in the uh, in the index, where, for example, uh, let's say steak got uh, overly expensive, people would buy more chicken. That may be what people did in practice, but if you're measuring a constant standard of living, uh, you want to be able to still buy the more expensive steak if you want without, without having to scrimp. So um, you, you don't have substitution in the constant standard of living concept, but they shifted it to a constant standard of living, significantly reducing the, uh, the, the headline inflation rate and the purpose behind that. Um, it was very publicly expressed, and I'm surprised it didn't uh, generate more of a public uh, uh, outcry, was to uh, reduce the budget deficit. How did they reduce the budget deficit? Well, by having a lower inflation rate, it reduced the cost of living adjustments um, for people on Social Security. It also uh, uh, boosted taxpayers into uh, higher tax brackets where they adjusted the tax brackets on an inflation-adjusted basis. and. Um, in fact, uh, a, a new index that they came up with um, that's fully substitution-based was just uh, uh, tacked on to the, uh, the recent uh, tax reform, boosting people into higher uh, tax brackets. Average person on Social Security knows that uh, he or she is not uh, um, getting a cost of living adjustment that uh, covers the increase in the cost of living. And that's deliberate by the government. It was aimed at cutting their costs. But guess what? Two things with that. One. Uh, lower inflation in your using that in reporting your inflation-adjusted economic measures, which is the way most measures are are, are are viewed. You don't want to be measuring the cost of inflation in terms of your economic growth. You want it net of inflation. If you understate um, a a, pro, uh, um, a series such as uh, real retail sales or the GDP with two using too um, too too low. Um, uh, a rate of inflation, it actually overstates the inflation-adjusted growth. So it boosts the growth. The headline numbers get uh, 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 grow. 
I mean, they're, they're expanded. Like the, the GDP is probably two percentage points over um, the, the annual growth is about two percentage points above where it should be, which means you haven't had any recovery since the uh, crash in the economy into 2007. But for the consumer, um, since uh, all the changes that started back in 1980, if the series had not been changed, you'd be looking at uh, cost of living adjustment uh, uh, seven percentage points higher. It, it's it's significant. It's significant, and it really impacts Main Street. And people see this uh, the inflation. I mean, yeah, most folks know what they paid for something in the 70s, and the 80s, and the 90s if they've been alive that long and also what they're paying for it right now. So, you know, they can say whatever they want to about what the official uh, the official rate is. Um, but I just want to drive a point home for folks, too, that um, you just mentioned, John, is the substitution rate. So basically, I mean, it's quite incredible where they said where, you know, if, using the steak uh, uh, analogy that or example, if you used to purchase filet mignon and now filet mignon has become too expensive, now maybe you'll switch to a flank steak. <laughs> which is yep. not the I mean it not the same and include that in in how you calculate it. So this is truly a uh, very 1984ish. What would you say right now uh, are we looking at the actual real rate of inflation and where do you see inflation going in, in the coming years? Currently it would be in the 9 to 10% range. Okay. Um as as it was measured back in the uh, 1980s, before they started all these changes. Uh, where it goes uh, uh, remains to be seen, but with the uh, budget deficit as it is and the true budget deficit, when you look at it on an accrual basis, not a, a, a net present value basis and the, the unfunded liabilities. Um, for, for example, um, you have right now the government obligated to... Uh, uh, pay Social Security benefits, benefits for people in the system, Medicare benefits. All this is uh, <clears throat> projected out into the future. And what the uh, accountants do is they uh, they adjust for the future value of, of, of money, and they'll tell you how much you need in hand a day to cover that going into the future. And if you look at the uh, numbers right now, instead of running, uh, say, having an, uh, uh, the total obligations as measured by Treasury bonds up around uh, twenty trillion dollars. Uh, you need in hand right now in excess of a hundred trillion dollars to cover the obligations going into the future to keep the country solvent going forward. There's just no way the the government uh, can, can cover that. <clears throat> it's a, um, I mean, it's uh, five times the level of our GT, GDP. It's almost uh, a double the global GDP. Uh, there's just no way that that can be funded, and that. that what that means is that over time, unless there's something done to, to, to bring those obligations uh, into balance, uh, is that uh, the, the government either is bankrupt or the dollar becomes worthless and you have a hyperinflation. And uh, uh, politicians usually opt for the hyperinflation. If you go back to 2011, when uh, Standard & Poor's downgraded U.S. Treasuries and they're arguing over the budget, def budget deficit, Alan Greenspan, who was uh, then the ex-Fed chairman, uh, made made a comment uh, that uh, to, to the effect that um, there's no way the uh, U.S. would ever default on its on its debt uh, because its obligations were in dollars and they could always print however many dollars they wanted. 
Well, that's exactly what they did in the Weimar Republic in Germany and uh, uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, it, it's it's a type of circumstance where, um, you know, you, you, you pay your obligation, but with the, the, the flood of money, the basic supply and demand, the money itself becomes uh, worthless. I mean, in Zimbabwe, they ended up with, I think it was $100 trillion notes. If you took the value of a what had been a $2 bill before their hyperinflation and, and put the equivalent of that into the uh, last iteration of the, uh, uh, the, the, the Zimbabwe dollar, uh, you'd have a pile of bills that stretch from here to the Andromeda galaxy. It's just, uh, just incredible. Um, I mean, it was, as, as with Weimar Germany, the, the paper money became uh, worth, as, uh, worth more as uh, uh, toilet tissue than, uh, than, than currency. Right, right. Gee, I wonder why other people are looking for alternative <laughs> medium of exchanges, right? If this is the way that money's treated, and this is not yeah. just in the United States, it's all over the world. You're listening to John Williams on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. You're listening to John Williams on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. One thing that you said, John, that really, really uh, struck me, if you're looking at a 9 to 10% real rate of inflation, actual the way that it was calculated in the 1980s, uh, then folks that are still fixed on the accumulation mindset and net worth, I mean, you really then, using the rule of 72, have to double your money every seven years just to keep up with inflation. So that was a big, big uh, moment when you said that, and I just did the math. I said, "Wow, that's quite that's quite incredible." So they've definitely treated uh, treated money uh, very, very irresponsibly, and as you said, uh, they they keep on printing and they haven't stopped. Um, now let's talk about another f a facet that is an enormous part of any economy, and that is unemployment. And this is also a number that is skewed, uh, and it doesn't matter who's in office, whether it's, uh, you know, the Obamas or the Bushes or the Clintons or uh, President Trump. Um, it's favorable for them to, to have this skewed. Uh, can you share a little bit more about what the real unemployment rate is and the actual percentage of the U.S. working population uh, that is, is actually at work and not unemployed? Well, the, um, the the headline unemployment number is uh, just it's it's the uh, it's the number of unemployed as a percentage of the labor force. Of labor force being the uh, the, the unemployed plus the employed. Uh, if people are employed, that's 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 usually uh, uh, counted. The question is counting the people, the number of people who are unemployed. 
and that there it's a matter of definition. The headline uh, definition is uh, um, you, you have to be actively uh, looking for work. Um, you've been looking for work in the last four weeks. Um, if you if you meet those qualifications, generally you're you're, you're counted as unemployed. Um, what happened in in the Great Recession, and uh, there's still elements here that are uh, uh, widely in play. A lot of people just couldn't find work, even though they wanted work, and uh, uh, they they gave up looking for work, hoping things would still get better. I mean, they may still look for work, but they they were not looking for work within the last four weeks, so they were no longer counted as unemployed, at least in the headline unemployed. The the, the that's a number that gets published each month. Um, if you um, if you've given up looking for work, they'll um, they'll still count you in a broader measure they have, which is so the the U three is the number they use for the the headline number. That's the headline unemployment rate. The broadest government measures U six. Um, and that includes uh, what they call discouraged workers, people who uh, would like to work, but they haven't actively looked for work in the last year. Um, that's uh, so where the, the one is, uh, the first one's around 4%, the, the uh, second one's up around uh, uh, 9%. And the uh, if you go back to before this whole series was redefined in 1994, which not so <coughs> coincidentally is when NAFTA came in in the being, and there's a perception that there'd be a lot of people losing losing jobs and perhaps losing them uh, uh, permanently. Uh, they redefined the long-term discouraged worker uh, to be a person who uh, hadn't looked for work in a year, but after a year, they just dropped you out of that measure. They, they used to not drop you out of the, um, the, the uh, discouraged worker category. They, they'd keep you there. So they changed that in 1994. Um, so where you're, let's say, 9% with the U6 rate, um, I, I estimate where it would be had they not changed that and you counted the people, uh, long-term discouraged workers, uh, uh, displaced workers, um, it's, uh, I, I, I do a fair amount of estimation and modeling with it, but it, I come up with something right now that's uh, uh, around uh, 20 22%. And that's uh, more more than double the, the the worst headline number. Wow, wow, that is a very very large number. And uh, what I just picked up too, it's quite remarkable that when they uh, the government went into all this free trade agreements, um, which <laughs> NAFTA and all these other ones, all of a sudden they changed the way, as you mentioned, or made adjustments. Uh, to a lot of the variables that they utilize to calculate unemployment. So they knew what was coming down the line. Yes. Oh, it's, you know, this is shocking and it should be shocking, but it's not, uh, not to be not expected, uh, right? (laughs) Well, no, that's, that's, there's nothing unusual. The government trying to keep its numbers as happy as possible. An easy uh, uh, political ploy, but guess what? Um, I mean, the reason they do it is they 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 want to appeal to the voters, make the voters happy. But I have found that over time, the average guy's got a pretty good sense of what's going on. You look, you talk to Main Street USA, 
very difficult to, 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 to fool Main Street USA as to what's happening. And uh, as a result, uh, normally you can predict election elections, changes in uh, uh, administrations or uh, political parties controlling the White House based on uh, the economic statistics. Right. Um, th th some of the measures get shifted over time. But, for example, if you look at uh, disposable income, um, take-home pay, net of inflation, um, with all the gimmicking that they've done with it, and they try and put it on a something of a consistent basis. Uh, generally, any any uh, level of uh, the year of election below 3.1 percent, the incumbent party will lose the uh, White House. That's with a presidential election. That's what happened this last time around, and that was not expected uh, by uh, by most political pundits. The gimmick the gimmick numbers don't work well from a political standpoint because the average person has a pretty good sense of how he's doing. Absolutely. And we definitely, as you mentioned, saw that in the last election. And I think it was, was it Bill Clinton that said it's a, use the tagline, it's the economy stupid. Well, it's always been the economy. And that's why uh, I just, you know, love looking at these numbers because you truly start to understand what is going on uh, by looking at the actual numbers. And as you mentioned, the person on main street, they know what's going on. They understand when they go out and buy groceries, uh, what it was five years ago or a year ago or, you know, 10 years ago. So you know, you, when you feel it in your pocket, you definitely feel it. And when you're looking for unemployment and you, as you mentioned, you know, the, the one variable they're using, the discouraged uh, workers looking for un, or unemployed, um, they know the, the jobs that are available. You can see that in cities and in the, in the communities that you live. Now, John, what is your view uh, currently on global markets, the stock and bond markets, and I'll also throw in uh, the gold and silver markets on there? What do you see uh, going on there? Well, um, let me put it this way. Physical gold and silver, but particularly the gold, um, is a good measure of what's happening with inflation. It keeps up with it keeps up with my inflation number, let alone the government's inflation number. Um, so that, that's as good a hedge as you're going to find over time. Of course, it's very volatile. Uh, the central banks like to knock it down when they can. But if you look at gold as a uh, store of wealth, not into day-to-day -day trading, store of wealth, it'll, it'll do a lot to preserve the. Um, actual purchasing power of your wealth and assets. Um, the stock market, it's, uh, uh, it gets knocked about quite a bit. This is not an environment. Right, right now, there's a lot of uh, hype about the economy being at full employment, just booming along. Uh, a, it's not happening. We've never fully recovered from the last election, excuse me, the last recession. Um, and the uh, what you've seen recently, I mean, you're seeing a lot of the numbers that were even the headline numbers were falling off, suggesting a new downturn. Uh, you got some boosts from uh, uh, hurricane damage where uh, cars had to be replaced, uh, buildings uh, re rebuilt, repaired. Um, that's that's waning. You're going to see the numbers turning headline numbers turning down again in the next uh, <clears throat> quarter or so. And that's uh, not a happy circumstance uh, generally for the equity market. So um, all in all, right, right at the moment, I'd, I, basically, I basically looked to batten down the hatches and uh, uh, look to preserve my wealth and assets, seek safety.
Right, right. No, very, very sound advice, John. Now, a core message in our show is to leave families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Uh, I would say... um uh be, be honest and forthright in your your dealings and use use common sense don't don't uh listen to the hype out of the government too much make your own decision as to what's what's going on what you see happening because what, what 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 you see happening is uh most likely going to be uh a lot closer to reality than what what you see in uh, the uh the, the public media going forward uh, into the future John, uh, where can my listeners learn more about you, your amazing report that you put out, uh, and uh, get in touch with you? Well, I have a uh, website, um, shadowstats.com. Uh, I, I put out a, uh, a weekly uh, electronic newsletter, usually twice a week. It was once or twice a week, depends on what's being, what's being published. Uh, the website, again, shadowstats.com, has a number of articles on it that are free there for the public. The the, the uh, newsletter itself is <clears throat> by subscription, 175 a year, 89 dollars for uh, six months. But you'll find you'll find on the site a lot of articles that give you background on what we've been talking and uh, uh, the, the underlying reality of some of the uh, headline economic statistics. I would highly, highly recommend you go to shadowstats uh, and uh, com and really look at look at the data there and sign up for the newsletter uh, and the subscription. There's data available there that's actual real data. And as investors and business owners and entrepreneurs making decisions, you need the right data to base those decisions on. And if you're being told that inflation is, you know, what, three or 4% or even less 2%, but it's actually closer to nine to 10, that is a huge impact on the decisions that you're making for your business uh, and, and your investments. John, thank you so much for spending time with us today and coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Uh, this has been a blast having you on. Well, uh, you're most welcome, and uh, thank you, uh, MC, for having me on your show. Thank you for joining my guest, John Williams, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value for you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gosh Good Newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 442. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.